Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. Hey, everybody. This is a fun midweek Super amazing bonus episode that I recorded with my friend Diana Swillinger. She is the host of the Renew Your Mind podcast, and she has her own website. She's a coach for Christian women who do amazing things but feel like they're stuck and want to get unstuck. So this is an amazing podcast. It's an amazing conversation with her. We're talking about pain and how pain oftentimes leads us to try and pursue pleasure. I oftentimes call that buffering. But Diana and I have a great conversation. It's a good time. And if you love her work, please reach out to her at dianaswillinger.com and set yourself up with a free mini session. She's amazing. I cannot tell you how much I love, 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 love Diana and all the work that she does to help the people around her. She's an amazing woman, and uh, her husband, Dan, is pretty awesome too. But we don't talk to Dan during this, so that's probably irrelevant to you. But I do know that Dan will almost certainly listen to this, so what's up, Dan? All right, we'll talk to you guys in just a couple of days on Monday with a regular episode of the Self Mastery Podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Diana Swillinger. Welcome to the Renew Your Mind Podcast, Episode 17. Pain Pursues Pleasure. Welcome to the Renew Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Diana Swillinger. A lot of us have tried to do the right thing all our lives, but we still feel overwhelmed and stuck. I believe that you deserve to get unstuck and experience more joy, more peace, and more contentment, regardless of what life sends your way. I'm here to help you renew your mind and make it all possible. Hey, hey, welcome to the Renew Your Mind podcast. I have a special guest today. He's my friend. I like having friends on. He's going to be my first friend on the podcast. Welcome, Zach Spafford. Hey, how's it going? This is super exciting for me. This is super exciting. What I think is really fun, too, is that we met in the state of Washington a year ago. And I lived in St. George, Utah. When you lived in Utah... And then you ended up moving to my neighborhood in Wisconsin. Hey. We, we bonded over bubbler talk. <laughs> I love the idea that, uh, that Wisconsinites use the term bubbler. <laughs> yeah. So anyone listening, if you have no idea what a bubbler is, I'm going to leave you to Google that one. That'll be some fun homework for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, I'm having you on today because we are talking about pain pursues pleasure. And I know you're very familiar with that as a life coach. Can you just tell us a little about yourself as a life coach? How did the quick story, how you got into it, um, where you got trained and what you specialize in? Yeah. So I about, you know, when I was, okay, well, for starters, when I was eight years old, I found pornography and for the next 25 years after that pornography was a, you know, in and out sort of situation in my life. And I was always trying to get rid of it. And then it was always trying to come back. And then about five or six years ago now, my wife and I, uh, we made some extraordinary efforts and I took a step back from 12 step groups and counselors and uh, ecclesiastical leaders. And I said, okay, I'm going to try and figure this out. I'm going to work 
and look at my brain and try and figure out what the heck's going on with my brain and why it's doing what it's doing. And so I started to do certain things. And then about two years ago, my wife started to listen to a podcast by a lady named Jody Moore. And, <clears throat> and in that podcast, she would teach principles of things that I was doing. So she would teach something that I was doing. And then my wife would come to me and she'd say, Jody Moore just taught me this on the podcast. And you said you used to do it. And I said, and I would say, yeah, that's how it works. I didn't know that's what you would call it, but yeah, that's how it works. And eventually we went to Jody Moore's Bebold Masters up in Spokane, where you and I met. And at that moment, I spent a week figuring out, holy cow, this is so amazing. This, this life coaching deal I am going to become a life coach. This is something I can help people with. So I've been a podcaster now for, uh, since October, the self mastery podcast. And yeah, that's, I, I, that's how I got into, to becoming a life coach. I, I figured it out the hard way. And then I realized that there were people who knew the, the easy way. They, they knew all this stuff that I had to figure out on my own. And I was like, yeah, oh. but that, that makes you an expert now at teaching it. Cause not only have you been taught it, but you lived it and learned oh, yeah. it the hard way. So you're a great coach. You, everyone should know you coach me, but when I need a little help, I have an appointment set up with Zach tomorrow. He's going to give me some coaching. So before people listening get freaked out, because you're talking about pornography, and I don't know how many listeners in my audience have issues with pornography, but that's not all what pain pursues pleasure is about. That's how you sought pleasure when you had pain in your life. For me, I started using alcohol. My sister had died of leukemia when I was 30 years old, and I was gradually using it more to deal with pain. So I'm wondering what you think. Are we kind of the oddballs out here? We went and sought some destructive ways to handle our pain and we're the only ones? No. Everybody does the same thing we do to a a greater or lesser degree, right? Seeking pleasure to avoid the pain that you feel, seeking pleasure to overcome the, the discomfort that you're dealing with is a pretty normal situation, some people do it with food, some people do it with drugs, some people do it with alcohol, some people do it with pornography, video games, um, shopping, social media, shopping, all of it, right? And the reality is, is that to a, one degree or another, each of us interacts with our pain in sometimes unhealthy ways. And the question then becomes, okay, well, how do I actually deal with that? What's, what is it that I can do instead of going to a self-destructive behavior to deal with the pain that I'm, that I'm experiencing. So I want, we want to get to that and we will get to that, but let's just kind of start with the why what's going on in your experience when we are, what are we feeling? First of all, that makes us want to pursue something different and why do we do it? So that's a really good question. The very first thing that you're feeling usually when you begin the process of turning to some more pleasurable activity is, is discomfort in some way. I don't know anyone out there who raises their hand and goes, I want to feel upset today, or I want to feel lonely or sad or tired or whatever it is. So the very first thing that you have to recognize is what you're feeling. You have to see your feelings for what they are and recognize that they take you down a path that drives some long-term self-destructive behavior. So for instance, for me, loneliness was always a, a big start point. And it, you might call this a trigger, but it's it's a start point of some sort where 
now I'm lonely. How do I stop feeling lonely? Well, and that takes me down the rabbit hole of scrolling social media or beginning to look at pornography in one way or another. And then you go through that process of doing the, the thing that feels good, but at the end, you still feel lonely because you haven't gotten rid of the loneliness per se. You've really just avoided it for, for a temporary period of time. And, and that's really what becomes the problem is that if you don't go in and feel your feelings, if you don't feel loneliness and just say, okay, this is what loneliness feels like and experience that feeling to its fullest, you end up extending the life of that feeling because rather than feel it and then move past it, you feel it a little bit and then you avoid it. And then it comes back after you're done with your avoidance behavior. I did experience that too. Cause like I said, I had been drinking to avoid pain before my sister died. I just did it a lot better <laughs> after she died. And I was angry at God and I was feeling the pain of grief and being perpetually angry and perpetually trying to hold back grief was excruciating. So my only escape was alcohol. And by the time I was ready to deal with it, it was two and a half years later. Wow. And I just, but, but like you said, it just stayed there. I didn't deal with any of the anger at God. I didn't deal with any of the grief. It was all just festering there while I dumped alcohol on it to hope it would go away. Yeah. You dump the alcohol on it, you light it on fire and it still doesn't burn up. It's just, it's there. And it, yeah. So I had to decide to feel, it sounds not very hopeful, but it was completely hopeful. I had to decide to feel uncomfortable. I had to decide to feel pain of being angry at God first. And then underneath that deal with the pain of losing my sister in order to come out of it on the other side and not feel desperate to drown it out with some sort of pleasure. Like you said, for other people, it could be social media or food. Um, food. Yeah. Food is probably one big of the one. bigger ones. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of my favorite things to tell my clients. They pay me a lot of money to teach them how to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. That's our, we're not supposed to tell them that. Nobody wants to get coaching when we tell them it's going to feel <laughs> terrible. But you know what? The, the difference there is, and, and this leads to the conversation about, okay, well, how much of your life do you get to feel great? And, you know, generally speaking, I, it, we call it 50-50, which basically means if you're going to feel joy, you're going to feel sorrow. If you're going to feel um, love, you're going to feel upset, right? Like all of those things, they have their opposite. And essentially about half the time you get to feel one or the other. And when you learn to properly feel bad, which means not avoid your, your bad feelings, uh, like, like we did with, like I did with pornography, like you did with alcohol when you learn to actually deal with whatever bad feelings you're actually having, then the times that you get to feel good, they're so much more valuable. They're more vibrant. They're more vivid. And you get to really feel those as well. Because when you suppress upset, it's hard to feel and fully acknowledge love in your life. Or when you avoid feeling sorrow, it's hard to truly feel joy and have that expand in your life. And so the, the process that we take people through, although we do teach them to feel uncomfortable, actually creates a great deal more space for 
the love and the joy and the good feelings that they want in their lives. Some people might be asking, I love that explanation you just gave, and it's brilliant. We're going to get to the solution. But what really is the problem? What's the big deal if I have a, have a drink when I'm feeling pain? What's the big deal if I go spend $100 at Target? What's the big deal if I eat the rest of the Oreos? Why does that matter? That's a really important question because the, you know, I, I advertise on Facebook and it's always interesting to me some of the comments that I get. Like, I can't believe that you, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. If you don't want to stop this, I'm not here to judge you and tell you don't do it. I'm here to just help you if you do want to stop it. That's all I worry about. Uh, and it's hard to convey that in a, in a Facebook ad. But the truth is that if this behavior is serving you, then there isn't a big deal. But if the behavior stops serving you, for instance, if you're using pornography to a point where it's damaging your relationships with your family, you have to decide which one is more important and how do I then choose the thing that's more important. Or if you're you know, drinking to excess or drinking to a point where it's damaging the person that you want to be, it doesn't help you become the person that you want to choose to be. Well, then you have to decide, okay, do I want to continue to choose this behavior or do I want to adjust what I'm doing? Food is another one. If you eat a, an entire box of Oreos, there's very little consequence other than you might gain a pound or two, right? But if gaining a pound or two or burying your feelings in a box of double stuff Oreos is not really who you want to be, then you can ask yourself the questions of, well, what can I do differently to become better at being me, better at being the person I see myself as? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, double stuff Oreos <laughs> comes up a lot when I coach people and in my Facebook lives and all that kind of stuff, because that's, you know, when the kids are going to be home for school for a month because of the coronavirus, I bought myself a bag of double stuff Oreos. I admit it. It's all around people. Yeah. <laughs> They'll live on the shelf forever, but they didn't last that long. Right. So I don't condemn myself when I have a couple double stuff Oreo because I'm doing it and enjoying it. And I am handling my pain a little bit with it when I have a few, but I'm not doing it instead of handling my pain. I'm doing it for a moment. And I'm not saying pornography is okay or alcohol is okay or drugs okay. But we do something, we decide to watch a Netflix show or two or eat a couple Oreos for a moment to give ourselves a breather, but then I process what's going on. Then I get out my pen and paper and I start dumping all the thoughts that are in my brain that are creating my feelings of discomfort, and then I decide to do something different. Yeah. Well, and here's the difference, right? So the, the idea of, well, this isn't really who I want to be. It's what you make that mean that carries into the next phase, right? So if I eat my double stuffed Oreos and all of a sudden I'm like, no, that's not really who I want to be. I'm going to make different choices going forward. That's, that is a process of guilt and change. I'm not that guy. I'm going to change who I'm going forward. But if you take that double stuffed Oreo and you go, gosh, I can't believe I'm such a terrible person because I eat so many Oreos. You're creating shame, which is, again, it's creating additional negativity. And when you create that additional negativity, you're driving that 50-50 more in the negative space than you are in the positive space. 
And shame never really drives good behavior. Whenever I talk about shame with my clients, I'm talking about essentially a doubling down on that, on that negative behavior. When you take that shame and you actually drive the behavior deeper and more ingrained because you're feeling like not this is a bad behavior, but I am a bad person. And that's where you start to lose yourself because you don't want to feel like you're a bad person. Nobody does. That's when people feel, a lot of my clients use the word stuck. They feel stuck because they get in that loop. And we think that if we just do something to relieve our pain, that things are going to get better, but we're actually like driving a stake lower, you know, deeper in every time we're not handling pain in a healthy way, but we're trying to bury it instead. Absolutely. And shame is a huge component there. Okay. So if people are using some of these, some people call them vices or ways to escape pain from a place of wanting to grow, wanting to improve their life as they know it, wanting to take a step forward in the right direction, away from mishandling some of this pain, what's the first step? So I always give this analogy. This is one of my favorite. If you're familiar with David Attenborough, if, uh, he's you know his work from the BBC, but if you're not familiar with who he is, you'll know who he is when I describe him. If you've ever seen, there's, an, there's a video of an iguana that escapes these snakes. Have you seen this? I haven't. It is extraordinary. I'm going to look it up now. Oh, you, you should. So there's an iguana and he's in this, it looks like a gravel pit. And he's sitting there very, very still. And all of a sudden these snakes start coming out of the woodwork and they start to like flicker around and, and check him out. And all of a sudden he takes off and he's running at breakneck speed. And David Attenborough, who is the narrator of this BBC film, he, he's not saying a thing. And actually he's, he, he narrates a couple of things. It's very calm though. He's like, you know, snakes can smell with their tongues. And I don't remember all the exact <laughs> dialogue, but, but, the, but he's not like freaking out as this iguana takes off. And at one point he's grabbed by, an, um, by a snake and then wrapped up in a ball of like three or four snakes and escapes. David Attenborough says nothing. He's just like, just sits back, very calm. And the iguana is like scaling this sheer wall, the sheer rock wall. It is an amazing, if you haven't seen this, you've got to see it. But at the very end, David Attenborough says, another miraculous escape. In mm. that same tone, in that same just even keeled perspective. And what I tell my clients is you got to be David Attenborough. You got to watch what's happening in your brain. So you got to be able to take a step back from your brain and stop judging it for a second and stop judging your behavior and view what's going on in your head. So that thought, oh, I'm a bad person for eating these cookies or looking at porn or over drinking, all of that, you take a step back from and you start to narrate this from a very non-judgmental space and you go, oh, I just drank this drink or I looked at porn why am I doing that? What's the value in that? And what am I saying to myself because of that? And stepping back and being David Attenborough gives you a new perspective on the whole thing rather than judging yourself and beating yourself up and talking down to yourself and going, you know, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe, you, you know, all the things that we say to ourselves just be like, wow, that's, that's happening right there, right now. I love that. I love that. I, I try to encourage my clients to do that all the time. Just 
take a step out and see what's going on in your brain because the thoughts in our brain is like that pit of snakes, just like creeping around, trying to grab hold of us and take control. And it, they don't need to. But no. we also condemn ourselves like I shouldn't have had that thought or I shouldn't have had that cookie or I shouldn't have had that drink or I shouldn't have looked at that website. Like, well, I did. And, and when we do take a step out, we can be like David Attenborough, another miraculous escape. Right. <laughs> and, and, and the thought, well, I did is not an excuse. So this is one thing where I, I you know, sometimes people hear me and they, they go, well, you're just saying that this behavior is okay. No, I'm not saying this behavior is okay. What I'm saying is acknowledging a behavior is different than beating yourself up for a behavior. Yes. And acknowledging it and then helping yourself figure out and clue into what are the, what are the changes that I might make? You know, and being a scientist with your own brain, how is this affecting me? How could I do it differently? Why would I do it differently? Why would I want to do it differently? Rather than going, you're a bad person, you shouldn't be allowed in society, which is what our brains kind of tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And awareness seems to be the biggest key for most of my clients and all my uh, life coaching friends. I know that you say the same thing with your clients, that once you can step back and see what's happening and be aware and allow yourself to watch what's going on in your brain and how you think and, and what you might do from the thoughts you're having or how you might feel from the thoughts you're having, that all that awareness builds up your ability then to choose you talk about, uh, you and I talk about agency and free will all the time. Okay. And I think we all think we have free will in what we do. We can go rob a bank or not rob a bank. We can put, put on blue pants or put on red pants. We have free will. But we think about it in terms of action so often. When we can back it up and take a look at our thoughts, and we have free will in which thoughts we want to ruminate on or meditate on or play with or entertain and which thoughts we want to look at like observe observing them like you would on a bbc channel mm -hmm. and then choose with free will i do want to think that or i don't want to think that that's useful that's not useful and we get so much leverage in that awareness piece that i don't think we realize it so that's I love that advice of just really starting with that. Yeah, and taking back your free will, taking it into your back into your higher brain and saying, I'm going to actually make conscious decisions about what I'm going to think and how I'm going to act. You know, we build habits. Uh, pornography is a really easy habit to build because, you know, it, it hits three of the main components that our lower brain thrives on, right? It's, it's very low energy, so it conserves energy. It's very pleasurable, right? Mm -hmm. So seek pleasure and then uh, avoid pain. When you're feeling arousal, you, you can't actually feel pain. And so the idea that you can create a habit out of almost anything is really important. And knowing that these highly pleasurable activities that help us avoid whatever bad feelings we're dealing with are there and we create habits with them very, very quickly. Understanding that is vital in terms of being able to remove them from your life. And once you begin that process of removing them from your life, you're going to have to make a lot more decisions. It's going to take more brain power. And once you create that process within your brain, it'll eventually go back to a habit. Like you don't drink anymore, right? I don't, not for many years. Right. And 
in the beginning, did you ever like walk by a bar or, you know, the liquor cabinet or whatever and be like, oh, I could try that, but I'm not going to? Yes. All, I still do. Okay. Is it easier now than it was? Yes, but I always know it's a choice. I yeah. think in the beginning for me, I white knuckled it. I'm like, I can't drink anymore. It's ruining my life. I can't. Right. And for me, I really felt like I had a lot of power from the Holy Spirit and asking for him to empower me to do it. Cause I didn't feel like I could do it on my own, but it still was me like white knuckling it a lot. Like I can't drink, I can't drink. I can never drink again, but it felt a lot freer when I finally decided I could drink. I could pick up that drink. I don't want to, I'm choosing exactly. not to. Right. And eventually I think for most people, you can get to a place where it's not just, it's, an, it's not consciously making that decision all the time. It's a habit that is now who you are rather than who you have to fight to be. Yeah. For the most part, it's a habit for me. And then sometimes I am like, well, I could do that. Does that still happen for you too? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, it's no longer that fight. It's no longer like brass knuckles down in the pit. Like I have to get away from this. It's more like, oh yeah. Yeah. I I remember what that was like. And that's not who I want to be. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. We could probably go on for hours about this and there are additional steps beyond this, but I think leaving it at the awareness and understanding we've covered a lot today is a good place to leave it. Some people are going to listen to this episode and it's going to give them just what they need for the next step in their own life about going to the next level or altering some of their thoughts or conquering something they've wanted to conquer. But some people are going to need some additional help. So I definitely want to let people know how to find you. I especially recommend Zach for men. I do coach some men, but I coach mostly women. So men who are looking for a life coach or people struggling with addiction or addictive tendencies, or specifically with some sort of pleasure they're seeking that that they want to gain some control over that in their life. So Zach, how do people find you? So you can check me out at ZachSpafford.com. That's Z-A-C-H-S-P-A-F-F-O-R-D. So ZachSpafford.com. Or you can listen to my podcast, The Self Mastery Podcast. Those are both available. And then if you're looking for me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it's Self Mastery Coach. Awesome. Great. I recommend his podcast too, y'all. I listen to that. His wife gets on some episodes with him. Darcy, she's a friend of mine. She's pretty smart, smarter than she knows. Coach Darcy and she loves it. Awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to be there for you guys and love how we can support each other in our coaching journeys. So thank you so much, Zach, for joining me today. And anyone who wants to get in touch with me or get a hold of my resources, go to rympodcast.com and sign up. We'll be in touch. That's it for this week, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. As an advanced certified life coach, I help Christian women trying to live their best lives, but they still feel unsatisfied and stuck. I teach thought management skills that work so you can enjoy life again and step into who God has created you to be. Don't forget to head on over to rympodcast.com to get my free resources or a free coaching call.
Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.